Good afternoon and welcome to our weekly podcast. My name is Bob and I'll be your host today. Coming up, we have an interview with Eric Blair, known to the world as George Orwell. We will be, we will be discussing his novel, Animal Farm. Hello and welcome to the show, Mr. Orwell. I hope you are well. Thank you for having me. Honestly, I've been a bit under the weather, but that's England this time of year, isn't it? Well, let's cut right to the chase. What inspired you to write Animal Farm? I must have started writing it toward the end of 43. I had a germ of an idea for quite some time, and I had an idea of the message I wanted to send. After my experience in the Spanish Civil War, I understood how dangerous and controlling totalitarian propaganda can be. When I saw what was happening in Russia, with Stalin implementing an altered and corrupted version of socialism based much more on totalitarianism and the centralization of power, I thought something needed to be done. I realized just how crucial cautioning people against the danger of Stalinism and its betrayal of the revolution, but also totalitarianism in general, could be. I'm certain you've heard this question before, but why animals? Well... I felt that using animals and creating a story of allegorical nature would be more effective. I think a fictional story automatically draws a larger audience. That was really my goal from the beginning, to present the dangers to as many people as possible. Well, now that we're living in the year 2020, and communism and totalitarianism in general have largely fallen, why should people bother with reading Animal Farm? I think the book still presents an important message. Its true goal was to warn of the dangers of totalitarianism and resting too much power in the hands of politicians. I think that message remains as true today as it was in 1945. North Korea is still openly totalitarian, and I think the message is also important for the people living in democratic societies politicians, leaders consolidating power and removing human rights. It's an everlasting issue. The corruption of leaders falling to temptation like the pigs did in the story. It's always possible. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Those who control the past control the future, and those who control the present control the past. If we use the present to uncover the confusion of the past, hopefully we can create a better future. In the book, was Snowball a leader who was really trying to make the farm a better place for the animals? When people find themselves thrust into roles of leadership, many will sincerely adopt programs and establish committees to try to make the world a better place. Often there are tragic mistakes. So do those like Snowball know their committees are prone to failure? Probably, but hope springs eternal, right? It's a big part of what makes us human. Remember, on the whole, human beings want to be good, but not too good, and not quite all the time. Could we talk for a moment about the use of propaganda in Animal Farm? Clearly the sheep are not the creators of the propaganda, but they do repeat it, and by doing so, seem to spread it. Do you see the sheep as dangerous or guilty? Certainly, sheep are sheep, right? They can't help being who they are. But there may be a special place in hell for those who craft propaganda and feed it to those sheep. 
I was pushed into writing a bit of propaganda in my time, for a good cause and all right, but I've got some repentance to do, and this book was hopefully at least the down payment. So are the animals on the farm simply victims of the pig's tyranny? In the 1940s, were German citizens the victims of a fascist ruler? A people that elect corrupt politicians, impostors, thieves, and traitors are not victims, but accomplices. The animals may have become victims of Napoleon, but they elected him to power. Early on in the novel, there was a kind of hope that the revolution would be successful. It is successful, but the ideals of equality for all don't last. Do you think the eventual failure was inevitable? We know that no one ever seizes power with the intention of relinquishing it. Based on this, in many ways, the final result was indeed likely, possibly even to be expected. To see what is in front of one's nose needs a constant struggle. Most of us are not capable of seeing the future because we can't truly see the present, or even the true past. So who are the most intelligent animals in Animal Farm? Can intelligence save us from totalitarianism? In some ways, isn't your book trying to warn us by making us more intelligent? Some would say the greater the understanding, the greater the delusion. The more intelligent, the less sane. The pigs in their intelligence are saved from the tyranny of totalitarianism because they allow it to exist. And by being at the head of it, they allow themselves to thrive. The fact that they are thriving at the cost of all the other animals may be a sign of their insanity. For many humans, life may be happier if we keep ourselves in the dark. What about your language choices in Animal Farm? Did you try to get a f specific tone? Did you try to avoid certain types of prose? Hmm. Hopefully the message is clear. If the writing can effectively send a warning, that's what I'm looking for. Do you use any symbolism to further portray your message? Do you mean was Snowball Trotsky and was Napoleon Stalin? <laughs> Just kidding. But I get that asked that question fairly often. I've been asked that question thousands of times. And I refuse to answer it. But more to the point, those animals do have characteristics of people and the warning is very real. Certain personality types make certain kinds of decisions. As a population, we should be aware of the nature of humans and be able to act and react appropriately. We have a chance to vote, for heaven's sake. Let's use it for the betterment of us all, if possible. Could you touch on some of your stylistic choices in the novel? Well, obviously it's a parable. I could have used people, I suppose, but I thought animals were a better fit. People can be confusing with lots of different motives, but animals are quite tied to their instincts. If one wants to see what animals are up to, spending a bit of time at the farm will allow you to see a complete social hierarchy in action. I felt this was a message that would make sense to a wide range of readers, from young to old, from those with basic education to intellectuals. Another rather obvious point, but I suppose worth mentioning, was the decision to use third-person narration. From this point of view, I was able to share the feelings and motives of all the animals with the reader. Before we close, maybe you could speak on how you, as a writer, feel the English language is changing. Ah, 
the coming and going of words is a mysterious process whose rules we do not understand. In 1940, the word wallop, meant meaning mild beer, suddenly became current all over London. I had never heard it until that date, but it seems that it was not a new word, but had been peculiar to one quarter of London. Then it suddenly spread all over the place, and now it appears to have died out again. Words can also revive, for no very clear reason. After lying dormant for hundreds of years, for example, the word car, which had never had any currency in England except in high-flown classical poetry, but was resurrected about 1900 to describe the newly invented automobile. Possibly, therefore, the degradation which is certainly happening to our language is a process which one cannot arrest by conscious action. But I would like to see the attempt made. I'm afraid that's all we have time for, Mr. Orwell. It's been a pleasure. Pleasure was mine. Good luck in all that. Best to all the chaps.